tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. Episode 4 of this podcast, Dan keeps it groovy, looking at the often neglected skill of playing rhythm guitar. Keep listening to hear some great rhythmic advice using a range of tunes and techniques about playing harmony, improvising funk solos and left-hand muting. Today, uh, Dan, if possible, uh, could you show me a few rhythm techniques? Yeah, why not? In some respects, I think lead playing requires probably the most technically from people, but rhythm playing can kind of make or break a track. You know, not every song has a solo, but most songs have some form of rhythm guitar in it somewhere. Yeah. It's good to have a few aces up your sleeve, just like you would if you were playing lead. You know, to know a few different styles and a few different approaches and a few different sounds and find something that kind of works with the track. So for you, Gary, what's the, what's the most inspiring bit of rhythm playing you've heard or what, what kind of floats your boat? Rodrigo e Gabriela with the, you know, it's a different style entirely. Absolutely, And I've yeah. tried to look at it a little bit and realised it's years of work in a different style. Mm. Tommy Emmanuel, of course. Uh, he's a fantastic player. But, you know, actually, some of the Foo Fighters, rhythm playing is amazing. Yeah, so you've got, you've got quite a, a sort of a wide spread of things going on there. I mean, the, the Rodrigo and Gabriella thing, you're absolutely right. It's far removed from the things that I do, and I sort of, you know... Yeah, me. <laughs> and I think <laughs> and most people. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And, yeah, there's a lot of contemporary acoustic guitar players like John Gom and Andy McKee, who likewise have some very interesting rhythmic stuff going on. But you're right with the Foo Fighters. There's some quite interesting ideas there. So maybe let's let's break things down into a few different styles which might be useful to you. Where shall we start? Let's let everyone out there know uh, from last week you were talking about a telly. I was looking for a, a nice telly which wasn't going to break the bank because alas to say my other guitars have broken my bank and I just couldn't really justify a custom shop guitar lovely though they are. So I got this off a mate. The only gigs that have ever been played on it are the two that I've played on it. <laughs> There's not a dink, not a mark. Yeah, it's it's great. So we've got our normal telly-tones. Bridge, bridge and middle. And neck. Lovely. And then we've got the neck and middle. I think they're wired in parallel. So it's louder than the other position. Wide like a humbucker. And then you've got parallel. You've got this little switch inside the volume knob. Parallel with phase reversed, I think. What is that? The Peter Green thing. But I I think it's where the ground and your live or something are kind of swap. 
And then in the other mixed position, it's a thinner version of that. That's a huge amount of time, isn't it, for an affordable bit of kit? <laughs> it, it packs one, one hell of a punch, because apparently about seven or eight years ago, I don't know who approached who or who came up with the concept, but as one of the guys in the custom shop was approached by the regular Fender people to design kind of a dream spec telly. In essence, I think it's probably more like a classic good solid spec that they probably get asked for quite a bit but to make it affordable and it was going to be made in Mexico at the, uh, the Ensalada factory or whatever, whatever it's called in Mexico and if you have any sort of preconceived ideas about guitars made anywhere else other than the USA considering how much cheaper this is um, I'll tell you now that the Mexico factory is a 45 minute drive from the California factory. <laughs> it's that close. It's not even as far as Brighton to London. So we've got a, a broadcaster bridge pickup, which is mighty meaty actually. It packs about 10k. It's louder than my Les Paul. Right. I don't need as much amp gain with this bridge pickup as I do with my Les Paul. And then we've got the twisted telly neck pickup, again a custom shop pickup, um, which is kind of like a telly lipstick tube style pickup but designed to sound a little bit more like a strap. So it's, it's, it's got some nice tones to it. It's got some nice tones. It's got the bridge from the American Vintage series with the brass saddles. What's there not to like for 400 quid? Chunky-ish soft V neck profile. Big frets. Nine and a half inch radius fretboard. So it's a little bit more like the new offenders. So it plays like a more modern telly. As long as you don't mind a varnish neck. It all kind of works. It looks good to me. It works. <laughs> so I'm thinking for rhythm, maybe the first thing we should look at is funk. Okay. I would opt, in your case, for the middle position. Yeah. Um, with a bias towards the treble pickup volume, but wind in a bit of neck as well. Have your tones flat out, and hopefully you'll get a little bit of that almost single core-like hollowness. Okay, I've got four on the neck and six on the... Six on the um, try bridge, yeah? Let's see what it sounds like. <laughs> maybe wind out just a little bit more of the rhythm pickup, so maybe take that down to sort of three or something. There you go. It's a little more yeah, nice. So you got the general idea there. So the idea with funk, we're gonna for this gonna keep the sixteenth notes going. And probably give it an accent. So on the beat. Yeah, so sorry. Final one chord. I find I'm often called to do an entire progression like it. Well, I'm going to give you an example. I've, I was thinking about this prior to when you arrived, because we talked about the fact that we were going to look at rhythm playing today. And I thought, well, what are the songs that kind of maybe push my rhythm playing or, or sort of require a certain approach? Now, often in a bigger band, you can sit at the back and you can actually not really have to play an awful lot, you know, because for one, you might trample on everybody's feet. Hmm make things sound messy and you know maybe the the other instruments are going to fill in an awful lot of what you would otherwise be filling in in a smaller outfit now i play mostly in trios and and also bands of four uh, and so the, they're guitar orientated yet the range of songs is quite large 
it's quite common these days. Obviously, everyone wants to squeeze the maximum out of the gig, mm. do as much different material as they can, so they can cover every base. They can do birthday parties, they can do weddings, they can do corporate functions, they can do pub gigs, working man's clubs. Doesn't matter wherever you go, you've got something which will fit the bill. But that often puts quite an onus on the guitar player if you're the only one to present, you know, a large chunk of the sonic backdrop for some of these songs, which have had huge arrangements. Now, we do play a fair bit of cheese, because when you play weddings, when you play all that kind of stuff, there is a bit of cheese involved. But along with that, you need to be a reasonably nifty rhythm player. Now, one song that came to mind, and I apologise in advance for how unbelievably cheese-worthy it is, (laughs) but you have been warned, was Can't Take My Eyes Off Of You. Okay. Now, the original has some really choppy rhythm at the beginning on the offbeat. Then we go to something funky and kind of stay there, or at least that's the way I play it. Now, of course, on the original, there's strings and brass and all kinds of things going on. But with a guitar-based band, that's just not practical. Mm. So I start the tune going through the chords, which is C, C major 7, C dominant 7, F. Now, the first thing you probably notice, so I noticed by your furrowed brow that you're you're looking at my chord changes and thinking, what are they and why has he done that? Yeah. Right. This is, this is a, you know, the method in my madness. With this song, it's C. To begin with, it just goes a couple of rounds from C. So there's a rhythm technique in itself. So it's a, think of a bar chord of C. Yeah. So you're doing like an E minor. Sorry, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Across. Right, yeah. Um, and all I'm doing is I'm using like the top four notes. Yeah. Because I'm going to need to move my fingers around to get the rest of them going. Yeah. So I want to make it so it sounds like the notes in the arrangement are kind of clearly coming out in my chord. Now I could play it down here. But the open strings is just not doing it. It's yep. just not giving me that chirpy sound I want. I, I want a nice, tight, chirpy sound. It needs to be higher up in the correct register. The problem with open strings is they're great for some things, but when it comes to actually controlling the note, they're obviously fairly useless mm. because they will, as hard as you try, they will frequently ring longer maybe than you want them to. Harder to dampen. All that kind of stuff. Your off, Abs- you, absolutely. To, yeah. So what I've done is I've kept my chord... 10, 9, 8, and 8. That's on the D, G, B, and E string. I've kept that shape essentially the same. And the note that's dropping is the top note. So yeah. I've gone from C, C major 7, C dominant 7. Yeah. Not the most comfortable or easiest fingering, yeah. but I think it carries the tune a little better. Okay, now you're barring the whole C for the first one, but you don't. I'm not even barring it. I'm I'm just sort of, well, you could look at it as a bar if you want. You don't have to bar it. I'm sort of doing that, I think, to maybe mute out some of the other stuff. Oh, okay. So you need your little finger up on the 10, so you've got to switch it around. Now, what I've done, I've sort of kept the chords where they are. What I mean by that is sort of all around these sort of D, G, and B string sort of areas. Sometimes you can play the right chord, but it just doesn't sound cohesive. And I think sometimes it comes from 
sort of when we're moving around a lot. Sometimes we want that effect. You know, if you listen to Holiday by Green Day, the chords moving around. Because that's the effect they want. They want this slippy, slidey sound. But for something like this, you know, we're looking for a tighter arrangement. I'm looking for something a little bit cleverer than that. Yeah. You know, I'm looking for a rhythm playing with A-levels. Yeah, I've got you. The, the, the one thing moving keeps it all very close together, doesn't it? Exactly. And that kind of leads, in my mind, to a bit of cohesion. Yeah. And also, there's some interesting chords that creep in later. So, we will get to the funky stuff. I haven't yeah. forgotten. It's coming. <laughs> so, we've got this chord progression. Now, for the F, instead of going to a traditional kind of F, I'll go, I'll go down there. Now, I'm missing off the root, and I'm just doing 7, 5, and 6. D string, G string, okay. B string. Just, just the middle three strings. Yeah. That's it. And then it goes 6, 5, and 6 for F minor. And then down to the C. So you've gone down to like the normal. You can go down that one, or you can put in the, the uh, root note on the yeah. A string as well. And then up to a D7. Then we've got this crafty one, which is F minor with a D in the bass. So think of a D7, yeah, and then D7. the two notes on the seventh fret of the D and the G string, you've slipped them back. So now you've got five, six, there. five, six. And then I go back to my first chord. Yep. So this is my progression. So if I if I play it around yep. once, you can yeah, hear yeah, okay. the full progression. Yeah. Okay. So everything is sort of working kind of vaguely down the neck, but on those three strings, and especially when we get to the C, it all kind of follows. You sort of double up on each one of those Cs. So you want sort of two on each. Ah, okay. Okay. Like two sets of two. There to no, no, that was right. right yeah. so, the, uh, so it's just one round. Okay, so at the, at the very end is uh, C. Then D7. And the next chord. Up to the C. Yeah, gotcha. Totally got that, yeah. Okay. Now, it may not be the first rhythm idea you think of when you know the lay of the land with the chords, but trust me, it works. 
Yeah. And I feel it carries the melody a little bit better. Sound nice with the bass player, I imagine. Yeah, it kind of slots in where it should do. One thing which I've I've often considered is a bit of a no-no is when people play the shapes they know because that's all they know. And okay, you know, if you don't know anything else, you don't know anything else. But sometimes it kind of doesn't serve a song very well. Think outside that box a little bit and yeah, you know, think about it, I suppose. Is. Yeah, what effect you want. You know, you, it, it needs to sound super tight at the beginning of that song. So you've also got the offbeat thing. You've got the sort of broken, almost like semi kind of reggae rhythm with the upstroke. Yep. And keeping the chords all together. Now, if you were looking at that as a technique, one thing you could do to help yourself out is if you know the notes in the scale, rather than leap about with shapes. You know, I want to talk about shapes for a second, actually, and I will get back to funk. It's <laughs> for the third time running. Was it the second? Yeah, no, it's, it's good. We'll get that. <coughs> it's coming. <laughs> we'll, guitarists learn from shapes. You know, shapes are a fairly basic thing. You know, with kids, you teach them a triangle and a square and a hexagon, and and, and you teach them using colours. And, and it's quite, when you think about it, it's quite a, a basic, easy, rudimentary way of passing information on. Yeah. We're always looking for patterns. Always. <laughs> yeah. Always, always. But if you really want to get inside the music a little bit more and make a slightly better statement or a slightly more interesting statement, you have to sort of ask yourself, why am I doing that and is there a better way? Now, sometimes using basic shapes is good. I remember years ago writing a song and I thought, I'm not going to add any complication. I'm just going to write a raw song using raw chords and I'm going to make that decision and that's how I'm going to play it. But sometimes there's another way, there's another approach. You don't want all of your writing or all of your rhythm playing coming out sounding the same. Mm. And I think for a lot of us, because we can't always get, you know, we're not always going to go into a band and have the right amount of instruments. You know, if you listen to an awful lot of songs, not every band, but a lot, there's other stuff. There's layered guitar parts, there's... The vocals where where it's been double tracked, where the guy's gone and sung it again, you wonder why it sounds so fat and rich. It's because the guy might well have, have done another take on it. Mm. So you're hearing more than just the one voice. You know, sometimes things sound kind of perfect and maybe a little synthetic. Well, that could be also tuned. You know, there's so many tricks and things in the studio that people use. You know, guys for years and years and years have been doing different things to their guitars, different things to their amps you know, and, and different things in the studio and all the rest of it. So when we get together with a couple of other mates and go and form a band, you know, we we are not always going to get exactly close to what they've got. Sometimes you are, but sometimes you're asked to do songs that maybe have a far bigger arrangement than, than the three or four of you can feasibly do. So you're looking to amalgamate sort of as much of the, the sound in the track to kind of get your version working. There's sometimes when you you read the tab and you go and play it with the band exactly as it's written and it sounds amazing. There's other times, and if you did that with a Def Leppard record, you would die a thousand deaths of fail because every track had a minimum of four guitar parts on it. <laughs> and even when Phil Collins and Steve Clark, all rest his soul, was asked about the guitar parts back in the late 80s on the Hysteria album, um, they they said there's at least four parts on each track 
And so we have to amalgamate parts live and pick the best bits and the most prominent bits, the bits that have got to be there. But that doesn't detract from the fact that when you're listening to the record, there's a whole lot of other stuff which is going on. Mm. And therefore your version is not always going to sound the same. Yeah. You know, I always wondered why, like, when you look back at sort of 50s and 60s records, sort of emulating the sounds that they had doesn't seem to be that difficult. You know, you can kind of pull off a Jimi Hendrix track and it kind of sounds all right. But, of course, back then, the gear was pretty simple. The approach Mm. was pretty simple. The tricks in the studio were few and far between. So how can we use this this example here of this cheesy tune to, to benefit us? One thing you can do is quite an interesting exercise is maybe work within a smaller area as possible and see if you can get all of the chords in a key from that area. Now bear in mind you don't always have to have the root but as long as we've got the components of the chord you've got a bass player for that so don't worry too much about that. But say in C, we can have C. We can have D minor. Bar in the tenth there, and I've got my first finger on the seventh fret of the oh, yeah, uh, of yeah. the uh, D string. Give me the A and the D there. Ah, oh, so, oh, right, okay. Yeah, see. Minor, pretty obvious one. Yeah. Top strings. Oh yeah. F again, pretty obvious. So for F. You can either go there or there. Oh yeah, because that's more in the in the, in the place, isn't it? Gotcha. Okay, G. fret area yeah there's all the chords yeah 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 if you took it to the next C so let's see D, D minor there yeah and then E minor just move it up to yeah F the notes in close together clusters yeah I'm not saying it's always the way but it's a way yeah now with this song it then goes into the funky bit yeah okay yeah <laughs> so we're gonna need need a mix 
case of pickups again then. <laughs> so I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna keep the, the the setting for me, I'm just in the middle on this. So. So we've got D minor seven. So what D minor seven going to G? Jesus four. so you hear So here we got the first bit is over the Thank you. 
that D minor 7 actually. I'm playing a lot of jazz chord. Nice. Like that, like that. Yeah. Yeah. song there's a few things you can draw on one is looking to maybe club your chords closer together look at look at chords rather than a shape maybe look at you know if you want to look at these new shapes there's like a whole bunch of new shapes that you can use then by all means do so yeah but maybe look at it as as you know a way of getting consistency as you go from chord to chord if that's what you want if you think of how a pianist would change chords they would do it that way. So there's as little gap as possible between them. Quite chords. often, yeah, because, you know, they, they would they would know all of their, what we call inversions. Mm. You know, just because it's a, a C chord doesn't mean that C is necessarily going to be in the root. Mm. Now, obviously, if you're playing solo acoustic guitar or you're doing something where you need C in the root, that then becomes incredibly important. If you're playing in a band with a bass player who's supporting the bottom end and he's playing that C note for you, you don't necessarily need it twice. Hmm. You see what I mean? Make, makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and also sometimes we we don't always want the big booming bass of lots of bottom end bass notes coming through. Sometimes it's in, inappropriate. So with this arrangement, I've kept the first set of chords where the, the, the verse is quite sparse, quite light and fluffy. I've kept them to the top four strings. Yeah. And then I've opened it up a bit with the other chords, but I'm playing something funky, so I'm, I'm sort of muting on and off a little bit, which is giving it a bit more of a controlled kind of thing. You know, we've, we've all heard people get their bar chords and... <laughs> so we'll just tread over absolutely everybody and it just sounds awful. Um, but what's handy is, we can, well, everyone at home and myself included can listen to how you... Played it and and go over it that way. So yeah, maybe, maybe sort of, maybe sort of have a get the rhythm that way. Yeah, and you can apply it. You can apply it to anything as well. You know that that idea with the chords. It's a good way of sort of maybe getting inside the chords in a key a little bit. Mm. You know, if if you're looking to maybe write a guitar part, and you you want something that's quite cohesive, but maybe the, the intro's got three or four chords in it. Maybe by knowing some of these inversions and shapes, but knowing them closer together, might kind of give you some inspiration to to write something interesting. Yeah. So you know, if you had a chord progression going C G F, um, so you you could you could either play it using the normal shape like an F shape, moving yeah. it around, or you could keep the chords closer together. So the second one almost sounds Caribbean or a little bit more jolly to my ears. Because the F chord is ending that a little bit higher. Could be on a ukulele. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You know, whereas if you wanted something darker...
string suddenly present a darker timber. Yeah. But by knowing your inversions in different places, that will help. Now, what about when you've got to play funk and add a little lick with it? Okay, so this is, of course, Freak Out yeah, by freak Chic. Out. The the awesome funk playing of Nile Rogers. Amazing. That man knows his onions. I'm telling you now. That I'm knows his onions. Brilliant. He does know his <laughs> onions. <laughs> so much guitar playing. I think it's, in a way, it's a bit, it's a bit sort of sad. But a lot of people overlook so many different styles that actually they could really benefit from. It's like some of the blues guys could maybe listen to some of the fast guys for the technique aspects and some of the mindless shredders could listen to some of the blues guys to get a bit of an idea of tone and feel mm-hmm. and okay that's you know extreme example but um i was helping out a kids gig and i jokingly the, the weekend and i jokingly said to one of the kids i haven't heard much shredding out there i want my i want my intake of shredding and i was joking of course anyone who knows me knows i'm a bit broader minded than that and he goes, oh, Shred's, Shred's not cool, man. Shred's dead. Oh, give me Stevie Ray Vaughan, not Steve Vai. <laughs> and I said to him, do you know what? I said, I like them both. You know, there's something in everything. Yeah, and a lot of guitar yeah. players, I've known a lot Very of guitar true. players, like, you know, who went into their Shred and they, they cannot comprehend that playing like a little funk track is that difficult. You know, actually, playing funk and playing it properly, mm. it's like being a good bass player. Like, the amount of people who say, oh, bass is only four strings, it must be easy. Well, it's four, or it's five, or it's six, or it's eight, or it's however many strings your instrument has got. But it's the difference in discipline that makes all the difference. It's a different thing. If you're playing, like, funk guitar stuff, you've got to think like a percussionist. Yeah. You're now a drummer on the guitar. It's your job to really lock in with the drummer and the bass player rather than just to kind of present the sort of glitz on top of what they're doing. You know, in a rock band, you want the drummer and bass player to be locked in. Yeah. So that you can just kind of like flail over the top and and do your thing and all the rest of it. But when it comes to funk stuff, we're looking to lock in with those guys because, you know, funk often is it's the the arrangement that's important it's the other instruments you know that you may have apart from you being the the rhythmic engine it's yeah. the vocals and all the rest of it okay and it's deceptively tough just like you found with that last tune yeah yeah to play it with a degree of finesse is not easy so let's look at the funk so we've got our 16 note pattern <laughs> carries on hearing certain things in music. If I don't mute it, it's just sixteenths. Yeah. But
good. So let's get those other notes in. Okay, so right, it's I'm all about the musing. Gonna get there, yeah. <laughs> it's all about the musing. Basically, our, our pattern with this hand, pretty much the same, but we're putting that kind of thing. some practice I would just have a simple groove and I would maybe sort of start shuffling around some of the additional notes don't go from the fifth down to the fourth back up to the fifth the seventh the eighth that sort of area and around the pentatonic and blues mm. and I'd, I'd practice almost like a, a funk solo so Think of sort of soloing in that way, 
you think of soloing with sort of notes and stuff like you know single notes yeah but you can almost have your own little solo going on and if you can keep that groove going I think I've probably said this before so apologies to anyone who's heard this six million times when I was having lessons when I was in my teens Brian Kellner who was, was teaching me for that three four year period he said something that really stayed with me forever and, he, and that was with, with regard to funk he said if everyone leaves the stage everyone leaves it's you and the audience everyone's disappeared the whole band's gone they all want the loo no one knows why he said <laughs> everyone in the audience should still be able to dance to your riffs it should be that groovy that locked in yeah that anyone can still dance to what you're doing they can still feel the pulse the internal pulse going driving the tune forward you know so you've got that thing going on with very like, good advice like a bass drum in your in the back of your brain So yeah, practice the sixteenths. Thinking of it in drum terms, think of it like you're you're the hi hat. Unfortunately, it's distinctly not so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to do exactly what you were doing there, I, I probably need to have a, a look at it. Was it keeping the groove? 
add to things, think think percussively. Yeah. The thing that's tough about this one, I, I personally think, everyone's got their own take on it, but I think that personally, it goes against the grain of what we expect to do on an instrument. Watch anyone playing air guitar. The natural movement is every time that, you know... It's a bend and a... <laughs> you know, it's, it, all, all the rhythm is in this hand. Yeah. Now here, you kind of got it flipped around because this is playing not a totally static figure, but fairly constant. So your right hand is, is, is static 16th It's the muting... So the work is in your left hand. Yeah, it's yeah. the muting and it's how, you know, when, when you're muting you're creating still a percussive sound. And when you squeeze, you're creating more audible sound. So you're always creating some form of noise, but some of the noises are louder and more prominent than others. And where you decide to place those noises rhythmically then makes a difference to your rhythm and the sound you get. So you can be really straight. Sounds really good. Sounds really good. It drives a tune quite nicely. Yeah. So let's talk maybe about chicken picking. Okay. <laughs> but not necessarily in the way that we have been um, last time's uh, session, which was yeah. all about country and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I trust you've got those licks under your fingers. Oh, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't, I won't uh, show them off right now. No, but... well. <laughs> I, have, I did enjoy some of the old. Quite challenging, aren't they? It's going to become part of my practice routine, all of these things. They're, they're tough to do. Yeah, anyway. Something like that. Nice. Okay. So, I'm saying chicken picking. Because I want to hit some strings at the same time. Okay. It's quite a useful thing, actually, because it gives you a lot of control. Okay. Now, when you're playing with a, a pick, it's got a certain kind of sound. And, you know, as your pick is striking one string before it's striking the next, that can't be helped. You're hearing it as a block of notes, but a fraction of a second mm. is going to separate each note in turn so you don't get any silence as such unless you stop playing now when you okay what we're doing with the left so so right hand we're, we're picking and playing all the Four strings at the same time. So I'm going to pick a little overdrive for this. We're okay. not going to go bananas. 
Yeah, you might want to might want to go to the bridge pickup and yeah, yeah, yeah. possibly roll that volume back a little bit so it's uh, not taking out the first five rows. And I'm going to look at quite a we're going to look at quite a countryish example. Okay. And we're going to look at a very uncountry example. Okay. Um, one is not very well known, but I kind of like it. And one is very well known. Now, as I said before, when I hear a track, I'm hearing all sorts of things coming in and out, different rhythms and things. And and often, you know, a, a track has a lot going on. Now, there was an Eagles track from the Hell Freezes Over album. Yep. And it's called Get Over It. It's got <laughs> a kind of country vibe to it, but like country rock. Okay. And I figured what would sound good is kind of some some of that sort of playing the notes all at once. <laughs> So I've basically got a D power chord. Yeah. I'm fretting my little finger underneath on the G string as well. And so I'm using my pick for the A string, giving me the root. Yeah. And then my second and third fingers are on the middle two strings. combination of down and up strokes using a pick and some fairly decent muting of this in. Yep. It's not it's nearly when you hit the strings as well, haven't you? Which is Yeah, you, it's it's hard to be so accurate, you never hit or get ring off any other strings yeah. other than the ones that you're plucking. Yeah, yeah. So it's a subtle difference. Uh, I remember reading an interview years ago with Brad Paisley, and he was saying that live, he said, you don't always find that the intricacies or some of the intricacies of chicken picking everything always come out. So he said sometimes in a live situation, he will choose to use more of a flat pick approach for that reason because it's you know it doesn't always come across which I can kind of understand in the mix of a band Um, but certainly if you're recording it's kind of a nice touch to have and if you if you want that kind of sort of more sort of controllable sound to cause it kind of works yeah it's definitely a really good skill to be developing uh, from the last week and now this week as well I mean yeah, just holding your plectrum and having your fingers at the same time, it just adds so much to your playing. Yeah, it, it gives you, it gives you options. Yeah. I mean, one other song, I was going to give another example, and I will in a second. One other one that's just come to mind is if if I play in band and we play Can't Get Enough of Your Love by Bad Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Because I often feel that it's, the, the, it's a bit unleashed in the verse. 
without it. I will choose the same approach from the verse. So where you've, you've got the, the intro. choose to play that in a similar way with the pick and fingers yeah because it's to me it can sound a little bit messy I'm like... Turn around in the verse, which is C, B, flat there. And that's... So sometimes I... Yeah, I'd use the pick and pick. songs I think we often maybe focus on the solo if there is one or is that the hard bit yeah on the main riff oh we'll just play chords normal chords power chords for the rest of it and sometimes that can work for us but sometimes there there can be more that we could be doing pick and fingers gains you a bit of control mm. it can add a little bit of snap especially on a strat in between sound you can get that slight popping as you pull on yeah. the strings sort of Jeff Beck style it's quite a nice a nice sound to be having and there is a difference however subtle between plucking two strings simultaneously mm. in perfect harmony and striking a pick over one string followed by the other however fast that may be but you can get a really nice shuffle feel with it can't you I mean, that yeah and the ba- you've got the bass and the top yeah. kind of going on yeah yeah, like if if you were doing almost like a kind of Danny Gatton country style track, you could get all that kind of. Thing. Thank you. 
Ah, brilliant. Yeah, those kind of sort of sounds. Uh, nice. I was thinking money for nothing. It's always good. <laughs> money for nothing. What a great album, Brothers in Arms was. Yeah, 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 superb. Fantastic songwriting, great playing. Brilliant riffs. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know if you ever knew the story behind Money for Nothing, but the song was all written and Mark Knopfler was in some electrical store and he heard these two guys talking. He just didn't have lyrics for this song. He heard these two guys rabbiting away and he he hid like behind a display of like electrical kit. Yeah. And he was like, This is this is genius. I'm writing this down. <laughs> and everything that's on that All song. All those lyrics are from yeah, those two like, guys. Those guys, they ain't working. I'm uh, telling you those guys, they ain't dumb. Maybe get a blister on their little finger, maybe get a blister on their thumb. Chicks for free. Excellent. And he sat there with his notepads like scribbling down what these guys were, were talking about. That's brilliant. <laughs> it's genius. <laughs> but how he came about that sound, obviously he's always had not pick and fingers, but for a long time he's used sort of thumb and first finger. Yeah, okay. Now this can bring you something yet again new to the table. So for money for nothing, he used a Les Paul and a wire which is half cocked. So for anyone out there who's not sure what that means, that basically means that you've turned the wire wire on and you're neither at the toe end of the travel where it's incredibly trebly, nor you at the heel end where it's incredibly bassy. But the wire is set in the middle and gives a nasal honky, pharyngeal kind of sound right, okay. to the tone. Um, Michael Schnenke used to use this sound quite a lot. But he had that thumb and... Thumb and first finger going...
look at it, but there's going to be. A, I'll tab it out and uh, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. I mean, there's a number of different places where you could use a similar approach. Yeah, you know, of just fingers. Fingers do add something else. Yeah, you know, it's a different sound again. I think is there an ACDC song or something which starts with a something like that it was on School of Rock kinds of ideas. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Yeah. You, you're often on, like, people playing organ, kind of, almost sort of pump the chords, don't they? Bap, 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 yeah. bap, bap, bap. You can kind of get that Boom kind eight of... floats and... Yeah. Sixteenth, I suppose. You can get that kind of effect. You know, it, it's a it's a big subject. Yeah. You know, you think of soloing as being big subjects. It's massive. But rhythm playing is no less so, really. Because, you know, we haven't even got into, like, jazz and kind of sort of doing sort of chord vamping in jazz, you know, and doing all that sort of... Perhaps that's something we could look at next time. Food Fighters, yeah, okay. bringing it kicking and screaming up to date. Um, <laughs> Dave Grohl is an interesting character. I read an interview with him recently, and he was talking about the sort of ten things that he classes as important things for success. And one thing that he said, you're working out. He said, you know, when it, when it came to guitar, I said, I didn't really know. He said, you know, I didn't have lessons. I didn't really know what to do but I worked it out. And he said, you know, when it comes to being successful, one of the things is that you have the mind that can figure stuff out. Now, when you know that about him, you can see sometimes in his slightly unorthodox way of dealing with rhythm, how that's kind of come about. You know, he's got some very interesting ideas. And obviously he sat down with the guitar. He obviously his knowledge on the guitar must be growing every year, I'm sure. And he sort of continues to write some some quite interesting things, but you can tell that really initially he's going for sounds that sound good. Mm. Yeah, he's got some good sounding chords. He's got some, but, but incredible rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's look at a few examples. Um, learning to fly. Again, this is down to my interpretation of the tunes. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it sounds... No one ever comes up to me and goes, hey, man, that's completely wrong what you're playing. Um, the other guy in the band, 
takes the solo a bit. <laughs> playing the same sort of figure in the verse yep. so what I've got is a B chord and even if this isn't what the guys in the Foo Fighters play it's the kind of thing that Dave Grohl I think would play Yeah. if you know what I mean yeah 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 um, so I've got a B chord but I've left the B string open yeah. but not necessarily played the top E so giving it kind of a ringy quality then I've got this chord, so I've got a second fret on the boat me, muting out the A, second fret on the middle two strings, two open top strings. That's so I think you find right. yeah. F minus seven with an added eleven. Down to D. Yeah. Yeah. And then I put in a couple of extras. So in the verse I calm it down a bit. So I'll come out of the intro where it's more thrashing. fret on the G, full fret on the D. Like an F minor, F sharp minor. Gotcha. Back to the e. Yeah. <coughs> or you can take that shape, the seventh and the fourth and move it up, which then becomes an E again. fairly well down with my tone all fully out so on 10 yep. adding to the ringing chiming quality on the right pickup on I <coughs> so it's That's a good example of how in the right situation in the right key using open strings could add a lovely sort of openness rhythm part 
the game I am using dick and fingers for some of that. Yeah, okay, yeah. If you back your volume off a fair way, you'll be able to play a little bit more freely. But there just kind of, there we are. So when you hit it harder, you'll get a bit more drive. Without any of the mess. Because obviously when you're picking quite lightly, it's almost clean. But when you hit it hard, so that level of drive where the saturation hasn't really taken hold of the tone, yeah. it's quite a good place to be for this sort of thing. Because when you dig in harder, is. you get more. Yeah, yeah. Rather than everything being okay, a little okay. too compressed. So when you back off, the I'm sound backs about off. two, and I think that's about right, isn't it? Yeah. With the tone right yeah. up. Yeah. hard the sound will then roll back with you yeah you can't use that sound for everything because sometimes you do need the compression of a higher gain yeah 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 saying but when you've got a sound which you, if you play it normally it's almost clean it's totally very different to your telly telly but it is cleanish. There's a few, a few kind of things, gems in the Dave Grohl toolbox. One of them is having a sort of chord which remains static yep. while the bass note goes around it. So Pretender is a good example of that. could work in a number of different ways, you know. Um, So you might have a situation where normally you might have a tune that's in A minor, 
let's just say for argument's sake, it's in A minor. He'll extend the first quarter, include say nights on the. string open like you're playing a D with an F sharp bass almost. Yeah. It's got that Foo Fighters kind of sound there. There's lots of different approaches. You know, we we could do at some point maybe even a, another podcast on rhythm guitar and get yeah, the other think, half of it done. I think there's plenty still to go. Maybe some jazz extensions we could have a look at. We, we, time. We, we, could, we could do. We could look at that. It'd be worth directing everyone over to uh, the uh, website tunein-toneup.com as well, because uh, on the blogs there you can find. Uh, uh, some tablature and uh, people can have a look at that and maybe uh, look at the uh, show notes as well cool yeah check it out yeah hopefully there's something you guys out there can use yeah exactly yeah thanks very much Dan oh, thank you Gary Love pleasure you. as always <laughs>